Boys, welcome back. Episode 73 of the Review Podcast. It is Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Thank you to all of our veterans and those who served and the families of. Big, exciting day in the United States. Big, celebrated holiday. So we'll start off with that. Yeah, it's a long weekend. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I hope everyone has a good long weekend. Um, Or had, I guess I should say. Mine's been somewhat mediocre <laughs> weather kind of sucks um memorial day is usually like it's, it's fagawi weekend it's <laughs> oh my God. it's it's again. chad fest 2k21 and i couldn't be a part of it because the chad weather was horrible so i don't know i guess i'm just stuck here doing podcasts with you two and going to bruins games with all of you that's awful <laughs> <laughs> chopped liver you're not oh. chopped liver seth not at all i'm just saying like if i Fagawi or like podcast in my basement. Fagawi probably, Fugawi. right? I don't know what Fagawi is. I'm very lost here. I'm sorry. I don't know what you just said. He doesn't know, <laughs> he doesn't know what Fagawi is. That's... We have to... I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that to me. I don't know what to tell you. Look it up, please. <laughs> but yeah, um, shout out to all the... Uh, the uh, Chad Chadleys and Bradleys and Beckys who were down on Nantucket this weekend celebrating Fagawi. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. Uh, it's, that's like my I run shit down there at Fagawi. So I'm sorry I couldn't be there. But we do have a huge Bruins game tonight. We were in the building on Saturday night. Um, good game. Great game. Fun atmosphere to be full capacity. It was kind of nuts to be in there for like the first the first period. I was like, I didn't even watch the game. I was just enamored with the crowd. Like, Dude, I, honestly, I, was having that like, same issue. I said it to my mom after the game. I was like, I think that was the least like of all the games I've ever been to. I think I actually watched the game itself the least at that game. Yes. Because I, I was just, like, so busy period, looking I didn't watch the game. I was literally like looking around. I was like, I probably looked like a psychopath. I was like staring at everybody. <laughs> I was like looking at the people next to me. I was like smiling. I was so happy that it was full capacity and like, hey, you know, We've been calling for it for a while on this podcast, and it happened, and and it felt fucking great. So, yeah. I just find uh, it really funny that, like, with the politics of Massachusetts, that Massachusetts ended up being the first full-capacity hockey game yeah, in so a early. year and a half. It was crazy. Like, it, we flipped a switch. Like, I went into a restaurant for the first time and didn't wear a mask. Like, I threw all my masks away. Like, I don't have them anymore. So, if I need to wear them, like, I don't have them. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. Well, you're I still technically supposed to wear one in the garden, right? Yeah, but that was like the that was the funniest. Like I said that to Brendan. It was day. the funniest unwritten rule ever, they where it was like, yeah, like, no one wore one. They can't. Nobody wore one. They can't enforce it. Like we were talking to the guy on our well, way in. Yeah. I keep. You weren't there. <laughs> well, I keep I talking to. Him. Yes, Ferrillo was in New Hampshire this weekend. He's back now. But like we were talking to a guy on the way, and he was like. What are they going to do? Kick all 19,000 of us out? Like, kind of like a, you know, play a numbers game here. If the majority of us aren't wearing them, then you can just play that game all night. And we didn't wear them. No one's saying. Yeah, I mean, the thing with that, too, was like, when it was lower capacity, the ushers would actually go up to people and say, hey, put on your mask. Like, some of them weren't doing it, but a lot of them were. It just kind of depended on where yeah. you were in the arena. But I didn't see like they every once in a while would show the message. And I think they showed it like maybe once or twice for the entire game, like on the Jumbotron right. saying, please wear your mask. But for the games before full capacity, the you know how like the ushers walk down closer to the boards and then turn around and look at people when it's a yeah. TV timeout. 
they yep. used to have a sign that said uh, mask up on it and none of them had might i add that it it was the world's smallest sign <laughs> so yes, it was, it was a so tiny, tiny little like like, like slip phone. of paper like that phone. had in little 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 letters please mask up or some shit like that. Like, I had to, like, walk up close to the thing just to see what it said. Because, Seth, it might have been an important message. And I don't want to miss something like that. So, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I think the best part of the night for me, yes, the game was awesome. It was electric in there. Like, it was it was just, like, so sweet the way it all happened. You had, like, a Pasternak hat trick and everyone threw their hats on the ice. You had uh, literally just everyone in there like uh, i can't even describe all the chants all the every time a bruins player touched the puck the whole place came alive all the boos i think like the the highlight of my night was probably the the boo for the two beer limit i have yeah, i've never heard a louder boo in the td garden than then before the game they said a two beer limit per person and the place went fucking ballistic at that before the game when they they were blocking the gate off and not letting people in there were probably 5,000 of us underneath, right by the Bobby Orr statue, just screaming, let us in. Like, all of it just felt so Boston to me. It was awesome to be a part of it. I can't wait to go back tonight uh, and do it all again. The funny thing with the two-beer limit is that is a two-beer limit per purchase. That's not a two-beer limit for the game. But realistically, when you think about it, right, like, how many beers could you possibly carry by yourself? Probably two. So why do you care that there's a two beer limit per purchase? It's not like you can carry more than two. It's about the, it's about yeah. the principle of it, yeah. Seth. It's it's not the logistics. It's about the principle. <laughs> but but yeah, crazy crazy night. Like I will I will never forget. Like Michael was like that was the best night of my life, and I was like that was like we were sitting down here after the game. He stayed at my house, and he was like that was literally one of the greatest nights of my life. And I was like it kind of was for me too. Like, like when I, I didn't really register how great of a night it was until afterwards. I was like, you know, we've been on lockdown for like a, a year and some change. There has Who, who'd you sit in front of? Oh my God! Right, yeah, like, we need to talk about that too. I was like, oh my God! Night. Yeah, it was it. Yeah. So if you follow us on Instagram, you know that we ran into Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft, Patriots owner, was sitting right behind us. We chatted him up a little bit. I tried to persuade him to trade for Julio. He said, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> if it does happen, it was a thousand percent my doing. I just want to <laughs> point that out right now that I am the reason why Julio Jones will be in a Patriots uniform. Uh, met Taylor Hall's girlfriend. Very nice. Yep. Taylor Hall and and Nick Ritchie's girlfriend. Did you not see that picture? No. Dude, I was Nick right Ritchie now. is dating so far up, dude. It is insane. Yeah. Okay. I mean. His, he actually kind of looks like Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not even lying. Nick Richards. <laughs> Here, bro. That's Taylor Hall's girlfriend. That's Nick Richards. That's me. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, my God. Me. They have the, the jean jackets. Jacket. So, the blues. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, like, copied the same. Yeah. There's a company that does them. We looked it up. Because they, like, we looked up their Instagrams and they tagged them. But the story of how that came about, we were sitting in the premium club, which, like, for a playoff game, I'm not too fond of. Because I like to be in the lows with everybody. But these tickets were dead center ice. And they were cheap. For some, I mean, throw air quotes around cheap, whatever you want to call right, it. Right, cheap. cheap for premium. Treat, yeah, I mean, cheap for the game too. Like some, like I think our tickets tonight in the lows are more expensive than the than the ones I had in the premium. Oh, really? Was, so I don't know if they were like a like a last minute resale that were like discounted or people just didn't know. But we got them at pretty good value. Um, so I don't love sitting in the premium club in the playoffs because I like to be a part of the action. I like to be down close. I like to, you know, the fans tend to be rowdier in the loge in the balcony than in the premium club. Um, but 
one of the benefits of sitting in the premium club is like you get that kind of whole floor to yourself and there's like nice food up there and everything. So we were just kind of walking around in between periods. We were trying to link up with Seth and we were told that we couldn't get down to the loge for some reason. Uh, so we're walking and all of a sudden we see these two women wearing jean jackets and I'm trying to, I'm looking at them to see like what the number is it says 71 and 21. So we're like, Oh my God, that's like Taylor Hall's girlfriend, like Nick Ritchie's girlfriend. So we're standing there and I'm with Michael and cam Brownie and they're like, they're like, Oh my, they like, you know, tensed up. They're like debating between themselves, whether like, who's going to go up and ask for a picture. Cause I'm like, why don't we just go get a picture? That's what I said. Cause they're like, Oh my God, that's like, Oh my God, it's Taylor Hall's. I'm like, why don't we go get a picture? And they're like, Oh my, no, we can't do that. And then Brownie starts like acting like he's about to propose to somebody. He's like, <laughs> that's so he starts pacing back and forth. He goes, all right, all right, count me down. And I'm like, <laughs> is this so i so walk funny. away from brownie having like his panic attack i walk up i'm like hey do you guys mind if i grab a picture they're like sure so michael and cam are in the picture and i am so fuck them <laughs> some stones guys it's not like it's, you know you're not getting married you're just asking someone to take a picture with you they are dating famous hockey players for which we root for that team i mean it's not that far-fetched they were they were perfectly pleasant too very nice like very you just put the whole thing so the great mean, Let's be real here, though. It's not like anyone's ever expected Brownie to uh, be great with women. I mean, just given recent events, you know. Such a Brownie <laughs> thing to do, too. I just got a, I just got a, I just got a text. This is Coach Braddock at TCS Baseball in Texas. Still uncommitted for next year. Looking for pitchers <laughs> to finish our fall roster. I'm in, baby. <laughs> what is TCS? Fuck if I know, but I'm going there next year. <laughs> I just got the call. They're looking for pitchers. Have you they ever pitched? Wiffle ball, babe. No. <laughs> In wiffle, wiffle ball. Wiffle they ball. saw my wiffle ball highlight, and they clearly want it's me. It's got to be like a, a fake spam message, right? Like, there's no... It's obviously. It's not real. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Just, you think Coach Braddock is just texting me? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What, are you, what are you signed up for that would get you that spam message? That's what I want to know. Don't play baseball. <laughs> no, but like, like what, like, you know how you get spam text messages because like you put your phone number into like a website somewhere, like when you were signing up for something. I think it's like so, like a like a scam. That was the biggest S C A M. Hold on, guys. right? But what I'm saying is like when you go to like you know Nike or whatever, and you sign up for an account and you put your phone number in, right? Like. When you do stuff like that, that's how those scammers get your like phone number or whatever. So I'm curious, like what, like uh, it's probably the- something random. It's they probably just got my number. You know, th- these phishing people try millions of different ways to get you, and I will not be gotten. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I will respectfully I will decline the offer to pitch next year uh, at TCS exactly. University in Texas. Can we look up if that's even a real school? I mean. TCS, Texas. I. Oh, here it is. Postgrad, Postgrad, Postgrad Academy. Academy. Oh, it's not even a college. Wait, who Wait. went there? Nick Duran, Riley Ramsey, Cameron Williams, Taylor Broadway. Oh, so they don't have any. One MLB player. Who's Cameron Williams on the Angels, Seth? No idea. I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's probably player. obviously yeah. not even it's, that good. Uh, it's like a TCU. They're, they're Everybody so- on their roster is from Texas. There's like one dude from Illinois, a random guy from Oregon, and then a few Californians sprinkled so, in. Telling me is they're looking for some 
Massachusetts kids. They have one dude that's six four. It's Jesus Christ. They they have like two guys that are over two hundred pounds. Come on, Seth. I need to know who I, what my competition is for next year. There's a guy that's five eleven, one fifty five. Holy crap, dude! A two mile an hour wind probably blows that guy over. Okay. <laughs> dude, so they, they, imagine someone. Cool. <laughs> imagine someone that's like my height a little bit shorter but then weighs three quarters as much as i do that's what okay. that person is i can't imagine a person like that i'm sorry that was too absolute wig all right um let's talk td while we're on the subject of td garden i want to talk bruins last um let's talk td garden shit went down last night uh yes. in the in the garden i mean i okay so this is on a theme. There's like a million different ways to like to attack this whole Kyrie thing. You can, you can. Okay. So a, a million different things happened. So aside from the water bottle incident, there was still shit that happened with Kyrie. So yeah, there's a whole lead up to it. Right. So that initially should be a red flag is like the water bottle incident. Wasn't even the footnote of the, you know, like there were other things that happened that night with Kyrie, their controversies. There's a million different ways to look at this. Well, I, I know that side that, that, that yes, this whole like, yes, I know what Seth's going to say already. I know I, I kind of can understand what side you're going to take. I don't know about Ferullo, but why don't we just get into it? Do you? Th- OK, so for those pe- people who don't know, Kyrie Irving, bitch, stomped on the logo. Celtics lost to the Nets. It's a playoff series at the TD Garden. Kyrie has issues um, and and then he's leaving the court and a fan Celtics fan throws a water ball at him and misses gets arrested, gets, arrested, gets charged with felony battery and assault or whatever <laughs> assault and battery and whatever. Yeah, was uh, assault and battery with a uh, quote unquote dangerous weapon. So that carries because these things a, dangerous. Um, that carries a sentence of up to 10 years and or a fine of up to $5,000. Now, if I was his lawyer, I would be trying to get that knocked down to assault and battery because that makes it, it's like two and a half years and a thousand dollar fine. Yeah. So that's bullshit. So here's the thing, right? The water bottle is empty. Right. Because the garden, when you you get a bottle of water, they take the cap. Right. So if that bottle was full, you would see water leaving the bottle. Yeah. So if you and really are trying too, to say that he could have caused death or a serious injury with a water bottle, you're high an empty plastic water bottle. That's insane. There's no way that that's a dangerous weapon. Now, the way the Massachusetts law is worded, technically, yes, that's assault and battery, because according to Massachusetts law, if you try to touch somebody, just touch. That's what it says. If you try to touch somebody, that is assault and battery. That's a, yeah, that's what that is. Like, it's literally, it's insane. I, I, I Googled it afterwards because, like, there's no way. You didn't even hit him. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, my God. The law is worded in a way where that's actually, like, they can charge him with it. It's insane. Yeah. So I I think this whole thing is so bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I, I just think it's bullshit. I know that. Okay. I In hindsight, dumb decision by this guy. Yes. Let's just put it out there now. He shouldn't have done this. But 
I've been around the block a few times. I go to the TV Garden for almost every Bruins game. I don't watch the Celtics, but like I've been to Celtics games before. But I know the Boston sports crowd. I've seen firsthand shit get thrown on the ice, shit get thrown on the court, fights break out in in the stands. You know, crazy insults hurled at these players. I've seen this all happen. I think it's so ticky tack to to like charge this guy with assault and battery that could a felony charge that could be worth up to 10 years for throwing an empty water bottle at a basketball player at a playoff game and missing. Like, I think we're having a different conversation. If he throws a full water bottle at Kyrie and it hits Kyrie in the head and Kyrie gets injured, that's a different conversation. He threw an empty water bottle and missed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, and we're talking about up to 10 years for that. Like, I've seen a lot worse happen in that building. I've seen a lot worse. I I think you can, you've been in the building for stuff like that at playoff games for the Bruins when stuff gets thrown on the ice. Like, I mean, it happens all the time. And it's like, I can guarantee you this wasn't the first incident that has happened at a basketball game in the postseason, you know, like something like, I mean, it's top tier news. Like even last night, like there well, was some lady on it, ESPN commenting how all, you know, and it like I get it. It can be seen as like disrespectful and stuff. But like the fact that these people are coming out and saying that this could have hurt him, this would have. Well, the reason why I, it's such a big deal is because it's Kyrie and because he's making it a big fucking well, deal. Well, I think it shows. Well, so here's the thing, though, right? There's in the NBA is. There's about 500 different things leading up to this that are making it a bigger deal than it normally would be. So first off, just to go with the whole the law thing, like. I think it'll go away, but the reason why the law is worded that way is like, say you tried to shoot a bullet at someone and you missed like, that's why they have to have the part in it where it's like you tried to Just call that attempted murder and, 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 you know, right, call it right. the day. <laughs> um, but then, so in the NBA, there have already been multiple instances of fans, you know, acting out. So we had popcorn got dumped on Russell Westbrook at the 76ers game. Um, and then you had a Knicks fan spit on Trey Young in that series and then it came out today actually but hasn't been talked about um someone threw a beer at emmanuel quickly who's a rookie on the knicks at msg so someone at his home arena threw a beer at him um and so it's kind of just been this huge culmination but then there's a lot of things with the Kyrie situation specifically that have led up to this so first off before a single game had even been played at the garden. Kyrie is making an unprompted comment. You know, well, I shouldn't say unprompted, but because someone asked him about the instances of the fan spinning and the popcorn. Right. And his response was, well, you know, they've got this whole racist history in Boston. So hopefully they don't do anything. And everyone was like, like, look, he is correct that there is a history of certain racist actions being taken in Boston, right? Because there are, there are instances of, like, Sox fans hurling the N-word at guys. Like, that. that's something that's happened. But th- there's nothing in the past couple of years or anything that's happened directly to Kyrie Irving 
that would suggest that he had any reason to say, man, I hope those racist bosses fans don't do anything. Like it was completely out of context and unnecessary. Right. And Jalen Brown, who might've been one of the, like he could, you could say he was the most outspoken, um, NBA player in terms of supporting the black lives matter movement over the summer. Right. And he came out and was like, dude, why are you making this a race thing? He was like, this right. had, like Jalen Brown was literally like, look, Kyrie, you know, has a point that, you know, sure, there is a history there. And, you know, he, he gave his whole, you know, it's important to talk about these issues. But then he was like, I have no idea why he's bringing up race right now. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So Kyrie already called Boston fans racist before they had even done it. He was like, you guys are guilty and you suck. And Boston fans were like. What? Like, we didn't do anything. Wait, like, what are you talking about here? And so before game three, this was game four of that series, right? So game three, yeah. people booed him the second he went out for warmups, right? So Boston fans were already angry at him, right? Like, and then he goes into game four, and then this happens, and they throw the water ball at him, and he says it was because of racism. And everyone's like, right. dude, you have set up this thing where Boston fans don't like you because, oh, by the way, don't forget, you went on a microphone in TD Garden in a full packed house and said, I would love to re-sign here and retire here and get my number retired here. And then you left in free agency. So don't act like this is just some random event because you're a black man. No, this is an event that happened because you did something that made Boston Celtics fans upset. So let's not make that a racism thing. First off, second off, you want to talk about the logo, right? To, to, for a lot of people, you know, you look at that and you would say, I mean, feels like throwing a water bottle at him is a little bit of an overreaction, right? And I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't be spitting on people regardless of what they did. You shouldn't be dumping popcorn people. You shouldn't be throwing a water bottle, right? Like, I don't think that that's something that you should be doing. I understand, though, why people look at what Kyrie did and say that was really bad and disrespectful. Kevin Garnett said it on Instagram this morning. Like he posted about it. He was like, Kyrie shouldn't have done that. That's super disrespectful. And the big difference is, and what a lot of fan bases I think are having issues with, like in the national, you know, basketball fan base is the logo actually means something in Boston, right? Most basketball arenas don't care that much about the logo. It's just not something where it's been a big thing. You see it a little bit in football where there was that Michigan State, Michigan thing where they were like dragging their cleats over the logo. Yeah. So it's a bigger thing in like football. But in basketball, the logo doesn't mean that much, really. But in Boston, you know, you have this whole history of, you know, people want to touch the logo. People, you know, the players kiss the logo, you know, when they return to the thing, whatever. Right. Like it's the logo actually means something in Boston. Like I. The Pingree would play basketball in a tournament um, in the garden. Like that's just something that the varsity basketball team does. And they let the JV team come and play during halftime. They like, just kind of screw around for a little bit. And one of the things I did when we did that was I ran over and I touched the logo because that's what you do. You're in Boston, you're on the garden floor, you touch the logo. So I completely understand why people were up in arms about him stomping and scraping his foot on the logo. Because it felt like like there was no reason for that, dude. People booed you because you said you wanted to stay and re-sign and have your number retired there, and then you just left, right? And yeah. I don't know because of COVID. I don't know that the Nets 
and because of his injury last year, I don't know that he's ever returned to the Garden to play before this series. He might have had like one game this year. He might have played at the Garden this year, but I don't know if it was in front of fans. And so it's like, I don't, you know, that's a whole other level to it, right? Like this is the first time that Boston fans can share like, oh, we really do not like you, dude. Like, you know, we want to boo you and... Especially in a full building, too, Seth. You know, like you were saying, right. like, this is this wasn't just, like, you know, 25% capacity. Um, I don't know. I've kind of – I've tried to stay away from this whole situation. I can't – I'll speak on my, you know, thoughts on the NBA playoffs, in my opinion. I don't even know why people – you know, I get it. You have these huge NBA fans and stuff and people who watch it. But I, I, I can't watch that stuff because it's like I, I could bet my parents' mortgage on the Nets knowing that they're going to win this series. Like I could have right. told you if you matched it up, like the NBA wants, you know, they want James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that to go as far as they possibly can. You know, and I, I've seen it like all over, you know, social media over the past few months. Like you look in and I even talked to my cousin about it the other day. He was like, you can predict, like, basically almost all of this NBA stuff, maybe except for, like, one or two series, you know? Like, the yeah. Knicks-Hawks series, like, you may not be able to predict, but you know that neither of those teams are probably going to make it to the NBA Finals. Like, you know, like, you can say that. Whereas in hockey, and I've talked about this with him, in hockey, it's it's anyone's series, anyone's game. Like, any team can right. win on any given night. And it's, you know, I think there's, like, I'm not saying the NBA is, like, fixed to a point where they're going to call every foul on the Celtics so that the Nets can win. But I think to a point, you know, there's some of that where it's like, you know, some of these people just believe that it's like, you know, oh, like the Nets are so good that like, you know, they're going to beat the Celtics. And of course, like they have three superstars on their team. But at the same and even more, I mean, if you count, you know, Blake Griffin, like all of these guys, right? Well, the the, the big thing, too, with the NBA compared to hockey is with hockey, you have 18 guys on your roster, right? Yeah. Like you have to, you know, all 18 of those skaters are going to make an effect. So sure, if you had three of the top 10 hockey players, you're going to be a really good team, but it's a lot harder for those three guys to make as significant of an impact. You look at yeah. basketball, most teams only run an eight-man rotation, right? You know, every once in a while, you see one that will run a nine-man rotation, but you know, you have three guys who accounted for over a hundred points in a single game. It's just yeah. it, it's individual it's, players have a much more significant impact on an NBA game than they do on an NHL game. Yeah, and like I'm saying, like I said too, it's just from like from my opinion, it's just it's hard to watch that stuff because they make it like the whole headline and everything after the game is oh Kevin Durant had thirty five points and. You know, James Harden had 32 points. And these guys, these guys, I mean, you can't tell me that these guys are on the phone with each other, like talking like, let's go to this city. Like, I mean, look at the Nets like three years ago. They were awful. They were actually awful. They couldn't even make the playoffs. They were bottom of the league. And now you have all these guys calling there. They want to make these teams into super teams. It's the same with LeBron going from, you know, the Cavs to the Lakers, like all of this. And from the Heat, you know, the the bigger one was with him going from. Cleveland to Miami, right? Because yeah. when he did that, that was a specific instance where he and Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade were all like, well, we know we want to play together. We just have to figure out where the numbers work out best. And what's funny, yeah. even with the Nets, right? Like 
they sucked three years ago and now all of a sudden they're on top, right? They had to give out a promo for 50% off their tickets for the playoffs because they weren't getting people to buy tickets to go see because people still didn't care, even though they had three of the best basketball players in the world on their team. Yeah. It's just, it's, for me, it's so frustrating to watch. And that's why, you know, like I said, out of this whole Kyrie incident, I've kind of just stayed away from it because I could have told you, like, you know, Right when the series, you know, came up, like I could tell you right away that the Nets were going to win. Sure. Did I think they were going to sweep the Celtics? No, I knew they weren't going to sweep them. I had a feeling the Celtics would win a game or two. But, you know, they, the it, it's almost like it, and it happens every year. You know, it's every year. I mean, think about the NBA finals, like when they were like all oh, the Warriors and the Cavs go to the finals again for like the third year in a row or whatever. Like it's it. it, it like, I don't get how people watch that, and it's, like, exciting. Like, it's it's probably the most boring, you know. There were people arguing about it on social media the other day, just saying stuff like that. And I'm like, how do people, like, watch this stuff when, like, there's – I mean, the NFL playoffs are ten times better than that. The, in my opinion, the NHL playoffs, I mean, you can have so many people that will argue that hockey's boring, which it's just completely not if you get into it and if you understand it and you watch it. As we know, when we go to the games, you know, the, the crowds are crazy. But it's just it it speaking from my perspective, it's it, the whole situation's frustrating. He look like a superstar, which he's good. Like, yeah, he's a good basketball player. But like they give him all this stuff and they pat him on the back and they say how great of a guy he is when in reality he's, he's an asshole. Like he's not, you know, he's probably one of the biggest assholes in the league. Like like you said, he's like, I want to retire Celtic. I want a player and then free agency comes and he leaves. He's toxic in the locker room. He, you know, he's not, not a, he's not this like guy that like everyone should be preaching and like praising. He's not like a God, like sure. He's got good handles in basketball, but like he, he's an asshole. And that's why, you know, like I said, I've tried to stay out of this whole thing because I, it's been everywhere. Like it's, it's literally everywhere over social media. If you, you know, with the Celtics and everything and yeah, it's frustrating, but I don't know. It just, yeah, but, it, it, that's, that's what frustrates me. I mean, about the whole thing. Like, it's the yeah. same stuff every year, you know? I mean, for the past, I mean, b- basically every year since LeBron went to Miami, the NBA playoffs have been very top-heavy in popularity. What I mean by that is, like, yeah. the, nobody watches the first couple of rounds, and then all of a sudden, Everyone watches come finals, it. it's super popular, and everybody wants to watch the finals. The NHL, in my opinion, is a little bit the opposite. I feel like the NHL dwindles in popularity as it gets later on. Like for me, I I mean, once a, once it gets to the end, like if there's a bad matchup in the cup, like last year, I don't know that I watched a single cup final game because I had zero interest in watching Dallas play the Lightning. I just didn't. But well, last you know, year with, you could say it was weird too, you know. With, right. uh, it, last year was it was so hard to get into it because there was like a team would score and it would be like silent in the arena. Like it, yeah, it's, exactly. you know, when you watch that stuff, like when the Bruins went to the you know Stanley Cup final two years ago when we were there, like it was cool. But even when you were watching the away games on like TV and stuff, like of course we're Bruins fans and stuff, but the atmosphere was just better. And it was, you were more into like watching it because the fans, you know, even the year before the Bruins went to the final, you know, I was all over that, that capitals, you know, Vegas series, you know, I was watching the whole thing because it's just, it's exciting to watch. And last year it was hard to get into, but 
you know, like you were saying, it, it's just I agree with you. The popularity of it as it goes down the line, it gets much, you know, much more. So many more people. It's it's like the it's almost like the Super Bowl. Like you think about, you know, the first few rounds of the playoffs, like everyone. There's so many people that watch it. But you think about that compared to the Super Bowl. Like there's people that specifically just have a party every year to go and watch the Super Bowl. Right. Like, no matter exactly. Who the people are. who. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They are like won't watch a single game leading up to the Super Bowl. They'll just watch yeah. the Super Bowl. Whereas exactly. with the NHL, I think people are a lot more interested in finding out who gets there. Yeah. Whereas the NBA and the NFL, it's, all right, who's going to win this thing once we actually get there? Yeah. I'll interject here. I realize that I haven't spoken in like 10 minutes, probably the longest I know, it's I've been a while. Without. I was looking at you. I was like, what is, it's been 20 minutes since you last talked. I think that might, that might be the longest I've ever gone on a TBR podcast without speaking. Uh, that was a while. Uh, sorry, I was preoccupied in my phone. But I will say this about the NBA. I think there's a reason for the kind of, you know, issue that you guys are bringing up with just like trying to compare the playoffs across the different leagues. The NBA just doesn't seem like it has that juice. Um, I think there's two words for me that come to mind that describe it, and it's load management. I think that these NBA players are soft as shit. I, I, I really do. And I'm not afraid to just to go at any of them. I don't see a single NBA player where I'm like where I'm where I have respect towards their work ethic and towards their compassion for the game and for their team. I really don't. I think they're fucking soft and I think that they show it and they love to show it on social media. They they, they love it. That's the NBA players favorite tool is Twitter. They love to go on Twitter. They love to speak their mind. That's great. Whatever. I think that people forget that at the end of the day. These are professional athletes. This is their job. So I'm going to use this example. This happened today. Naomi Osaka, tennis player, French Open. She refused to speak to the media after a match and got fined for refusing to speak to the right. media and then but dropped that, out of the turn. Right. That was a little bit more of an issue of her. I mean, I don't really like her anyway, but that she no, has I, like depression I, issues and anxiety issues. Like she wasn't sure, doing that to fine. be like. a. No, no, no. That's fine. There's no excuse for that. Like I, 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 that's, that's a serious issue, but there's no excuse for you not doing your job. So I hear people saying like, saying like, Oh, like good for her whatever. No fucking, this is your fucking job. Go and go and do your job. It, it is it, you. Are, when you sign up to play in the French open, when you qualify right. French open, you are contractually obligated to do press conferences, whether that's before or after a match. So I see a bunch of people on Twitter, like backing her, like, yes, support, like, Oh, the French open is like horrible for finding her. Why? Because they put on this tournament for her and give her housing and give her, you know, all this and and give her beautiful playing conditions. And she's a top seed in the tournament and like media coverage. And she doesn't want to go to their press conferences, which she's contractually obligated to do. So they fine her for not doing that. They're so terrible when she's screwing over the, the tournament experience for, you know, the media. That's like think about all the people media wise, tournament wise that are sacrificing things to be there. And she just doesn't want to right. show up to do. Well, I'm she, sorry. She apologized. Not that pressing. Like the the statement that she made, she apologized for not showing up and stuff, and that's part of the reason it's, why she dropped out. I, yes, it's also, really not also, that tiring to do a press conference. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not. Here's my thing with my thing with it is like you said, you know what you signed up for, right? Like, don't I don't I don't want to hear you complain about having social anxiety when you purposefully picked a sport in like. Forget a sport. You picked sports as your profession. You decided as a young child 
that you wanted to go on these huge stages in front of millions of people watching on television and thousands of people watching you in person and put on a show, right? And like you chose this line of work. You could have gone to school and studied and become a pencil pusher somewhere. And you decided to become an athlete to do this on TV. Like that's what you decided to do with your life. You knew what, and you know what comes with the territory too. It's not like, you know, it's not like she grew up in the seventies, right? Like she grew up in the Serena era. Well, what, well, and, and like Brendan said, getting to the NBA too, going off of this, this kind of goes back with the the point of like everyone arguing like, oh, you know, the NBA playoff, people saying the NBA playoffs are so much better than the NHL playoffs. And like, like, I get it. They each have their differences and stuff. But like Brennan was saying about the players being soft, I mean, come like, I'm not afraid to say it either. But like, come on, like, what was it two nights ago? Like Anthony Davis leaves the game because he has what a pull groin. I guarantee you, like, think about the past playoffs that, like, the Bruins have gone through. In 2011. Dude, Bergeron was a punctured lung. Punctured lung. He had, like, a separated shoulder. And, Seth, this isn't, like, those injuries, like, okay, like, it, it's, I've had a separate, like, the lowest grade separated shoulder before, and I had to miss two games for hockey because it hurt to, to get hit into the boards. Like, it's not, those are not fun to play with, and it just shows how tough these guys are. But then they're saying the NBA is, like, more fun to watch like you know it's, yeah it's just like not when, when someone pulls their groin they give so much sympathy to him they're like oh not even not even a pulled groin literally Le- lebron the other night didn't he get like tapped in the face and like made a big yeah, deal it's like, like get trying. get the ambulance he got, he out got knocked, well so he got actually poked in the eye oh um, like like slapped in the face poked in the eye which really doesn't feel good like at all like those Wait, i don't yeah but i don't care like it's like six stub in your toe yeah it doesn't feel good and it hurts but man the fuck up like dude honestly i'd like right, like, so like what you just said patrice bergeron played with a fucking punctured lung for the whole playoffs gregory campbell broke his leg and like finished a minute 45 yes. shifts I, I i won't even blocked, like consider hearing thoughts it. on that shift too he got hit in the yes. leg with a shot and the, the, to me, the moment that Kobe Bryant retired from the NBA, there were no more NBA players that you could look at and say, that's a guy who would fight through injury and grind it out. And, you know, you can look at him and say, like, you know, that guy has that, you know, that level of of like want to. Right. Like. Right. And, you know, you're seeing it like I just got an ESPN notification saying that Kemba Walker and Robert Williams are doubtful for game five. Kemba Walker is dealing with a knee injury. He's been dealing with it all year. You guys are down three to one. You're telling me you can't battle through your injury right. for one game at the end of the season. Like, I mean, it's just, that's just the issue with me for the NBA, like time and time again. Like, I, I think there was a time where the NBA was very fun to watch and, and yeah. like it had that intensity. But I feel like these players are just are just treated like I think they just lose perspective of like what's actually important here. You know, like it's it's kind of the issue that I've had with Tuka Rask in the past where it's like he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. These NBA players are collecting these checks and they're getting these shoe deals and their faces are in every commercial. They're on cereal boxes. Well, I guess cereal boxes don't really. Yeah, they, yeah, they do the cereal boxes still. They're on social media. They're on TikTok. They're on Twitter. They're on everything. They're everywhere and they can't man up to just like play a game. My That's my issue with it is like. It's always an excuse that they fall back on, you know, like, like, look at, look at Kyrie right now or or anybody. I mean, the Kyrie thing is just like a constant example, but like a play, you know, it's, I feel like NBA players just fall back on the excuse of like, well, like 
the biggest line that they use we're humans too i fucking hate that i hate that we're humans too yeah like we do, we know that you're human but your job like someone today when i was talking about the osaka thing said like because i said like well people were trying to back her up and i was like this is her job she's supposed to be at these press conferences she doesn't go you have to expect that there are going to be repercussions and she has to accept responsibility for not doing that, which I'll give her credit for. She did accept responsibility, but I don't, I was more attacking the people that were saying like, you know, F the British or the, the French open rather for finding her and for like, you know, like squeezing her out of the tournament that like, I don't, I don't subscribe to that because it's their job. So someone said to me today, well, like, you know, whoever said that her job was just like yours and mine, I go, I never said that our jobs were similar, but the principle is still the same. Yeah, I understand that her job is on a heightened level. And Seth, she gets fucking paid for it, too. So do these NBA right. players. Like, when I say that, like, it's their job, people are like, they're in the NBA. It's like, yeah, they're also getting paid millions of dollars to be in the NBA. My job, I don't get paid millions of dollars at, and I still fucking show up. Like, they need to show up. You get paid mi- billions in some cases for these players. If you if you are a, a you know, notable NBA player doing like millions of endorsement deals and like all this and getting bonuses and all that like do your job i hate the we're humans too it's like okay you're human but you're also getting paid millions of dollars a year to play basketball do it it goes to the fact seth and i'll kind of comment on this i mean we've seen comparisons of this in the past but it goes back to like i mean i i saw a thing on social media not too long ago about how in like uh you know a press conference after the game um during like the NBA playoffs like they had LeBron speak and he talked he said like the word like we I know me and Brendan have talked about this yeah. like 25 times or 27 times whatever it was and then they talked about how and he never said he or no 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 he said he I. said I he not said we. I not we that's my bad yeah but then like um but then in the in you know a hockey press conference they had someone speaking and and they never said we once it's it, i mean they never said i once it was all a team you know thing yeah. and it goes back to that how like lebron a few you know a few years ago or i don't even remember how long ago it was in a press conference after a practice or in the league and player all the time like that's like, the thing with the NBA said, teams. Like, well, that? every LeBron NBA he, team has their individual star. I can, like that they're known by the like the Lakers are the LeBron show. The Nets obviously they have like the trifecta over there, but like you've got Kyrie and Katie on the Nets. They have their individual shows. Yes. I can't like the Bruins aren't like oh the David Pasternak show, the Brad Marchand show. There really isn't a team in the NHL where you like it's just that guy's show. Like it's just and I can't really say that for any other sport either too. Like, yeah, you could say, like, the Patriots forever with a Tom Brady show. But, like, you know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't Brady being a bitch and, like, just – it wasn't – it feels like in the NBA it's the star and the rest of the team. Whereas in every other team sport, it feels like it's the team who might have some better players who are stars. But it seems like there's an isolation between LeBron James and, like, the rest of the Lakers. Right. Or Kyrie Irving and the rest of the Nets. I just don't see that in hockey. I just see team atmospheres in hockey. That's that's yeah. why for me it will be a vastly better sport until the day I die. I haven't watched a basketball game all year, and I won't. Yeah, so the the LeBron one was it was after a finals game that they lost, and they said, "What gives you confidence going forward?" And he goes, "Well, because I'm the best basketball player in the world." Um, so that was that one, and then which 
to be fair, was an accurate statement, right? Like it's, you know, it's not like he's saying this and he, you know, isn't the best basketball player in the world. He he, at the time was definitely the best basketball player in the world. Um, But, and I think it's okay to say, you know, I'm the best basketball player in the world. Like, I think that's a fine thing to say. Well, rub me a little bit the wrong way is he did a documentary with ESPN that is on ESPN plus about him and his upcoming and his career and stuff and all the, you know, the the whole storyline. Right. And in that they talk about the three to one comeback against the Warriors. And he says that to me made me the greatest player of all time. And I was like, I don't think that. Like, regardless of whether or not you think that he is the greatest player of all time, I don't think that that's something that you get to declare for yourself. Like, Michael Jordan has never declared himself. Like, Michael Jordan, on more than one occasion, declared himself as the greatest basketball player in the world at the time, right? Like, that is, like, we can't sit here and pretend like he never (laughs) said, right? Yeah. And, And... so, like, that's why I also don't take issue with LeBron saying that he was the best basketball player in the world. But we have never heard Michael Jordan say, I am the GOAT. No, Michael uh, Jordan. Did you watch sits- The Last Dance? <laughs> well, I don't know that he ever said <laughs> specifically in that. I mean, it's certainly implied. And, you know, you know that he tried to do it. But, um, you know, I, I I take issue with people saying that they're the great, that they themselves are the greatest of all time. I don't take issue with someone saying like Mike Trout came out tomorrow in a press conference and was talking with people and he was like, yeah, I'm the best baseball player in the world. I'd be like, yeah, talk your stuff, man. Like you are the best baseball player in the world. Like it's fine for you to say that. Yeah. I, I just, I can't stand. I mean, no, and, and everyone knows that this podcast is so anti-LeBron and anti... Like, I give LeBron credit. Well, for, your half of the podcast is anti-LeBron. I am I take issue with some of the things LeBron does, but I'm mostly... So this pro- podcast is anti-LeBron, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I give him credit because you never hear anything negative about him in terms of, like, life. You know, like, he's a stand-up guy. He's, like, doing good for... Like, all of that, I actually admire him because... I'm like not to stereotype athletes in general, but you know, like th- I'm going to walk back on my words here. Like they are human, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I know I was just shitting on that comment, but like they are like, they still have lives away from the game. That's fine. Like, you know, a lot of athletes, it's especially when you're getting paid all this money, like you see some guys just throw away their careers because they're young. Like LeBron didn't go to college. You got to like, you got to admire the fact that he came right out of high school and right into the NBA, like made a career for himself, made himself one of the best players in the game, won the championships, got all the endorsement deals, got the commercials, got the movie deals, got what all of this and still like kept a clean family life and, and like, you know, made something of himself when really he didn't have guidance to do it at all. Right. I mean, you know, growing up without a father is one thing too, but he, you know, what was big for him was he had, this support group of his friends straight from high school that he kept with him throughout. So all of his business partners are guys that he grew up with essentially and were extremely close friends with him. And so he was super smart with his money. But to me, the big thing with LeBron and why he deserves a lot of credit is, you know, Kobe obviously had his off the court issues, right. With his whole, um, sexual assault case, right. Yeah. So, you know, LeBron gets an edge up on that. And then Michael Jordan was famous for being just an awful teammate, just like berating dudes. And, you know, yeah, and he, he had his he had his off the court issues, too. 
Right, you know, with the gambling or whatever, right? But like the flu you know, game, and all. Well, that, it was a um. What, what did they call it? They called it food poisoning in the documentary. Yeah, bullshit. Oh, Hangover. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but uh. But, but, you know, LeBron has made himself into someone who, like, everyone who plays with LeBron, like, guys who play with Michael Jordan say we appreciate him as a teammate after the fact. At, once yeah. they got older, they were like, yeah, that guy was awesome. He was pushing us to win. Guys yeah. who play with LeBron love him as a teammate while they're playing with him and love him as a teammate after they playing with him and that's something where i think that he really deserves credit for because he's been able to you know obviously we don't think of him as being you know this crazy killer on the basketball court but hey he's won championships and he's done it without rubbing his teammates the wrong way yeah i i agree and so like i give lebron the credit on that front but i also just i also think that people change with notoriety and with money and with success and i and i think his on the court persona I'm very anti and I've and I've made it known on this podcast before and I'm making it known now. Uh, that being said, I don't want to talk about the NBA anymore. That's fair. I, I, uh, we are, this is the most basketball talk this podcast has ever had. Yeah. We've never talked about the NBA. We are literally a couple hours away from game two and game seven. Um, I'm just going to go around circle. They dominated. Great game. Great. Whatever. We're moving on game two. Uh, let's talk first game seven with Leafs and Canadians. Quick predictions. What everyone thinks is going to happen tonight. And then we'll move on to the Bruins. Seth, start with you. I mean, <laughs> look, here's the thing. I am. We all know what, we all this, know what we want to happen. Yeah, well, I think we all three want the same thing. I, I uh, yeah. Well, mm, no, I'm rooting for a scoreless tie and both teams get kicked out of the playoffs. That's actually what I'm rooting for. Um, but. Score. Tie, <laughs> yeah, so scoreless tie. No, that's that's you're no fun because I don't want because uh, well because I don't want the Canadians win, but I also don't want Toronto. Right? Okay. Like, I hate the, the rivalry, the rivalry's dead. We can root for the Habs. Now. Here's the thing: I'm going to say the same thing that I said before the Vegas game seven against Minnesota, which was in a game seven. I trust the best goaltending. Vegas had the best goaltending in their game seven. I think that Montreal has the best goaltending in this game seven. So I think Montreal is going to win. I agree with that. I would just say I think the Maple Leafs have a much more complete roster, and I think we can com- we we can agree with that. But historically, the Maple Leafs seem to always have a very very good roster on paper, and then they go out and they can't show it on the ice. I think my I don't know if I have a. I think it's going to be a close game, in my opinion. I actually think Toronto is going to win. I don't, but that's my prediction. I think it's going to be a close game. I want, and I think Toronto is going to win, but I want Montreal to win. I think if Montreal wins, I think we see major changes in the offseason for the Leafs. Like, like, yeah, maybe try like, not spending 80% of your cap space on your forwards. Yes. Yes. Like, literally, <laughs> probably everybody gone. Like, no, I mean, give or take. I mean, they'll, like, keep, you know, they'll probably Matthews keep Matthews and Garner, and then the rest Garner, of them is just a like, total yeah. shakeup. Unless they want to leave. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's honestly, to be like, to be 100% honest with you, if the Leafs lose this, it's, I, I honestly feel bad for their fans. Like, I can't, can you imagine every year being like, like, they're always regular season. Like, think about the regular season they've had this year. 
they went all the way. And I get it. That Canadian division, we talked about it, it was not good this year. Like they weren't like it's it, compared to like the East division or the West division, whatever. Honestly, it was probably the worst division in hockey this year. But like the fact that they dominated it and the fact that the Maple Leafs were, I mean, the, the Canadians were down three to one and have now taken them to seven and have a chance to pull off the upset and beat them. It, I mean, I can't. I would be so embarrassed if I was a. If fan. the Maple Leafs lose this game tonight, what what a prime opportunity wasted! It already yeah. has been it has been an issue that this team can't get out of the first round for the majority of the 2010s, and you know, basically franchise history. You, you haven't even tasted the Stanley Cup in you know several decades. You are you are you are the number one team in the worst division in hockey. Farrell hit the nail on the head. North Division is the worst division in hockey. There's no competition up there. Literally, the any other team from any other division would run game up there. Uh, and I think we'll see that in the playoffs. I think it's just going to be interesting too. I can't tell if it's just the way that you know Toronto runs things in the playoffs or not, but it, it's or how they have over the past few years. But it's to the fact too that like. It seems like they always get in them. The, they always get themselves in this position, and then they they never succeed. When well, it's because they're re, like they're they're reactionary management. But I don't know. Like it would be I like I can't even imagine what they would be like in the next round if they happen to get through. Like yeah, I, I haven't like we haven't seen Toronto get through the first well, round in. So years. what was the the knock on this Toronto team coming into this year in the playoffs was what they're too young. They don't have experience. That's that's been the knock on them for a while. Is that they don't have enough experience in the playoffs, and that's why they're not getting out of the first round. So to compensate for that this year, uh, right, you, right, you like, go after these guys who have been in the playoffs, but like it doesn't make sense. Simmons. Like I don't understand the Felino grab for them. I, I, it doesn't make sense. What you just want a guy that's like been in the playoffs before? Like that Joe like Thornton saying the same thing, right? Like that's a reactionary thing for them. They were getting a ton of shit that they were a young team and they couldn't get out of the first round. So they got older and worse in my opinion. Whereas like, okay, just cause you're getting shit from your fan base and from the hockey commute world that you can't get out of the first round because you're too young. will groom your guys. So, like, look at what the Bruins did. The Bruins mini rebuild was probably one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in sports management history. The mini rebuild that they did from 2014 up until current day was unbelievable. This team took their knocks, right? 2015 and 2016, they missed the playoffs. 2017, they flat fire Claude Julian midway through the year. They get Bruce Cassidy in. David Poshnok finally starts to take form. Charlie McAvoy gets called up for the playoffs. They This team finally starts to look like they're coming together. Granted, they were not a serious cup contender that year. They lost to the Senators in six games in the first round. But you laid the groundwork. You come back the next year. You beat the Maple Leafs in seven games in the first round. You lose to the Lightning in five games. But... Then again, you're knocking on the doorstep. They were getting better each year, come. making moves. Look at where they 19, you go to the cup. 20, you go to the second. You can in even, a They're contenders. Look at that talk about If you want to talk about a mini rebuild, how about from the end of the 2019 season after losing to the Blues until now? We're a completely That's different now. team. We're so I much mean, better. We just, I mean, we were winners at the deadline. We were buyers at the deadline, and we were winners at the deadline. And, and, and that's the two, difference that made. They said, too, a, a huge move for the Bruins, and I give them a lot of credit for this. Having Chara and moving Chara and telling them that they want to move on from him was big. He, he, you can't, they wanted to play him less because they needed to give these younger guys a role to step into and play. But the issue is, is you can't sit your captain. That's just not how it works. So right. having, moving on from him was huge. Look at what Mac, I mean, 
I mean, Seth, let's talk about this for a second right now. McAvoy and Grizzlick look phenomenal on that top yeah, pair. Absolutely. Your second pair, Carlo struggled a little bit the other night, but that's fine, right? He, he was so, brutal in game one. Struggled, but still, but still, look who backed him up. You have Riley right there to save him and, and save his ass right. on a plays, right? And yeah, he, you want to know what actually terrified me, though? I need Laws and Clifton to never be a lion again. Every yeah. single time those two were out on the ice, I was afraid for our chances. That is the issue with yes, missing, <laughs> missing Kevin Miller. You don't realize how much you miss Kevin Miller. He, oh, my God, yeah. My dad said he goes – I was talking to my dad about it the other night. He's like, I think I'd rather Tenorti than Lausanne in that spot just to have a tough guy, yes. a body on the back, in the back that, you know, to give you some toughness on defense. I don't think Lausanne's bad, but I don't think he's as good as the Bruins think he is. He's I not just the don't best like player. having two guys without a massive amount of playoff experience. Yeah. Like, Carlo has, has injuries in the playoffs. I'll keep on saying I don't like him. It's, I, I will take the unpopular opinion. I don't know why people are so big on this yeah. kid. He's not that good. He's he's just not. I like Tenorti way better. I, I just don't like Lazan. I don't like him. I know that, like, oh, Jeremy Lazan's. I, I really can't pinpoint one play where I'm like, that's a good play, Lazan. I get, I get no. that they're like, he, he's young, too, and they're like, oh, we're going to try to develop him. But at the same time, it's like, you got to do that in, do it in Providence if you're going to do that. He, I mean, look at the, the type of skater that he is compared to like some of these other guys i mean look at com- let's compare him to a second let's just say like match him up with like kale mccarr or like quinn hughes look at the difference of skating between and that's two completely yeah. different levels like you look at his skating style and even clifton's a better skater than he is like i i don't know i don't know why the bruins when he even got hurt in game one why they were so big they're like oh this is such a big loss like i don't know what we're gonna do without him like and then we went, we proceeded and went on to be the Capitals in five games. Let so me just say this. He's one of the guys that may make some mistakes down the road that could actually hurt the Bruins in the playoffs, in my opinion. Let me just say this. I, first of all, I, uh, I've i been, you know, popping in and out of this podcast. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know how the conversation got started about. This team hasn't lost in regulation in the playoffs. I just knocked on one. Wow, why this, would you uh, say that? This team has not lost in We're regulation. This team has not lost in regulation in the playoffs yet. We're in the second round. I don't think I, I have no problems with this team. Like, yeah, I like se- this little bullshit. The team hasn't lost since we did that podcast. So to be honest with you, I have no issues with this fucking team. No issues at all. I I think they're gonna win the Stanley fucking Cup. Oh, okay, all right. What I can't what I can't say I think they're gonna win will the Stanley Cup. Do you favorites? remember? Do you remember when we did our pre-playoffs pod and I and you asked me what I thought of our team and I was like I feel way better about this team than I did the 2019 team and I was like I believe it now. Seth. I felt the other night when I was in there, Seth. I felt it. Seth. I'll give you the Seth. Capital Series was a little here and there. I felt it the other night. Seth. I'm with you, buddy. I can say it that I can say it in confidence that this team is good. You know, they, Bro, don't they, even they, say what you're about to say. They, no, right no, no, no. They are good. I might punch I you in the face. Stand. Do it. People, Please punch him in the face for wasting our time. The fuck I up. can't stand when people say scratch on black right now. Knock on some more wood. I mean, we're going <laughs> to the game tonight. Scratch on black. I've never heard that one. <laughs> scratch on black. <laughs> no, oh. for the, stop. 
Stop. You can't say that they're going to win the Stanley yes, Cup. Yes, I can. Well, now they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. I can I can say, first of all, I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. But this secondly, is a country. secondly, <laughs> this team is like, I saw it. Yeah, I see it. Dude, I see it like a mountain I'm standing are, in front dude, of and I can't fucking unsee dude, it. Are, this dude, team is going to the cup. They are I, the best they are. team. They're going to sweep the Islanders, they're going to sweep the Lightning, and then they're going to sweep the Avalanche. They're going to win the Cup. We're not losing another game. <laughs> I won't lie. I won't lie. The Lightning do scare me. The Cup you know. final. <laughs> since the, okay, but Seth, since the trade deadline, they actually have been the best team. I would say close. Oh, but you can't say that. To Colorado. I, I, mean, I hate when people say that the Bruins are good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, for me to sit here and say that they're going to win the okay. cup is not far-fetched at all. All right, but watching Colorado last night, oh, how they please. Played, I honestly don't think the Bruins I'm not scared by any team in the NHL. The team I was scared by was the Capitals, and we beat I'm them in five games. I'm more scared of Colorado than the Capitals, and if Colorado gets knocked out, then I I don't think— I'm not scared of Colorado at all. Have. Vegas, I don't think Vegas is all that good. I don't think Vegas has any substance. The only thing that the Bruins ha- would have to do with Colorado, if they get to that point, they have to shut down that first line. I mean— Okay, I think they can. Yeah, I was just saying, first lines have never been an issue. What? what do you mean? Did you just say that our first line has to be better than McKinnon's line? Yes. 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 I think our second line is better than McKinnon's line. We— <laughs> First line in hockey. I, I agree. Shit out of here. I agree. We have the greatest what, first line talking about in NHL history. Just talking about this. All right, Seth. Let, all right, Seth. Let's say it's Stanley Cup final, right? I'm gonna. Lozon and Clifton are out on the ice against McKinnon. Red yeah, but they wouldn't be. Atlanta. They wouldn't be. That's they the, wouldn't be. They wouldn't be because Cassidy. This is. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this during Game One. I think that coaching a hockey team is the most difficult job in sports, just because of how fast you have to get guys in and out, and especially with injuries, you have to know what guys you're slotting together with who, and you have to get your matchups right. Like I think that that's the big thing with Cassidy. He does a great job of making sure that we have the right defensemen and the right forwards out at the right times. That's why he is the best coach in the NHL. Cassidy is honestly the best coach in the NHL. There's no, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Like. The way he's coming and he's run this team consistently for five years. He's been coached for five years, right? Yeah. I mean, cons- dude, consistently he comes in and every year it's the same thing. They're contenders. You know, when he first started, yes, but he started to rebuild a little bit. I mean, I like there. There's no doubt in my mind that the Bruins' first line is the best line in hockey. But what well, I'm it saying, just sounded like there was doubt. But, in your what mind. I'm saying is, is, after seeing what like that Colorado line has done, McKinnon. I said this last year. I thought McKinnon was the best player in the National Hockey League last year. This year, it's kind of changed my mind a little bit with McDavid going absolutely nuts. But he, in, in my opinion, he is the best player left in the playoffs now with McDavid out. I We're talking about Colorado. The Bruins got to get that far first. First off, we have to worry about tonight, the Islanders. The fuck the out Islanders. of here with that for all. All right, yeah. we have to actually go to the game. Um, but... Just quick uh, score predictions for everyone because I'm not posting on the Instagram. So, Seth, score prediction. Uh, I don't think we score as many goals as we did the other day, but I think that we win regulation again. So I'm going to say Bruins 3-1. to one. Bruins 3-2 in overtime. 3-2 in overtime. Overtime. Okay. I think we're going. I, I'm going to say 
I, I think it's going to be close. I mean, the other night was actually a pretty close game until the third. Until the, the third Bruins period, and they opened and it up. Yeah. I, well, I think the Bruins actually dominated all night the other night. They did. It's just two tough goals that you really can't do anything yeah. about. You really can't. Yeah, and especially on the well power play with like four bodies in front of you in multiple redirections. He was talking about it with Tuka earlier, Seth. Mark my words tonight. Watch if the when they show if the Islanders score and they show any replays. Watch how deep Tuka is in his net. He never get. You watch all these other NHL goalies. They get out to the top of their crease and they yeah. challenge. I wouldn't put that on Tuka big. though. That that shot thing, was so thing. good. Here's the yeah, thing. No, There's no, nothing no, you can do no, about no, like yeah. even yeah. even if you are you know up in the front of your crease right and playing super aggressive, cut down the angle. If the puck redirects two times, you can't do anything about that. That's just being lucky and being in the right spot. Bodies out in front, but the same thing too, Seth. If you think about it, if the goalie's sitting back compared to when he's up, if the puck gets deflected, if he goes down and gets big, most likely you know the puck's gonna hit him. But here's the thing, Frulo. If it gets deflected and it goes off to the left side, and Barzal's sitting there right on on the uh, doorstep, he's just gonna put it in. It's gonna be an easy goal. Tuka is, Tuka is easily the laziest goalie in the NHL, but he looks, he still looks good. And I think we can say that if he wasn't lazy and if he was, you know, I mean, he makes these ridiculous saves, but if he wasn't lazy, he could easily be the best goalie in the NHL. Like he just, he sits back in his net sometimes there's saves that he should make. And I get it. There's some times where the puck gets deflected and stuff, but Throughout the first series, even like that, I go back to game one against the Capitals. You know, it hits him right in the chest, like in that over that overtime goal. And I get it. We're through that series and stuff now. But it's just, you know, there's some saves that we hope that he makes so that down the line, he doesn't make a mistake that, you know, kills us. Yeah. Um, Four nothing Bruins. Wow. Nice. First, Will it, first if Will's confidence right now is through the roof. He why? Is, why shouldn't I be confident? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. I'm I know. I, I know. I, I know. I'm happy about myself and that I'm cocky in life or whatever. For nothing, Bruins. And <laughs> we'll see you there. <laughs> Love it. First playoff <laughs> shutout of the year. <laughs> there hasn't been one. No. Dude, Tuka's given up two goals in like every single game, other than the one that we lost to. The every other game, it he's is. given up two goals. It's kind of crazy to me, too. You know, after that first game against the Capitals, actually going into the second game, if they lost that game, too, in Washington, Swayman would have came in for game three. Like, that's what, like, he, he, I I mean, in my opinion. I don't know, man. I don't know that Cassie would have taken out Tuca. I don't know. I mean, no, it goes back yeah. to the playoffs last year. Like he leaves. I'm not a huge Tuca fan. I don't he, blame. I don't blame him for leaving though. Like he had a family emergency. Oh, I, he had. All right, he, we, we can talk about this all day. Yeah, that's a whole different story. But what I'm saying is, it's just like I do Tuka, blame him for leaving. Tuka also, is, there is there is no Tuca playoff slander allowed on this podcast because there's no reason I'm for not, us. Not. Like 2013, 2013, we would not have made the cup without Tuca. 2019, you can make the yeah. same argument. No, I'm not yeah, saying and he's actually I think he's been perfect. he's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah. I'm just saying where I'm hoping that he doesn't for him being lazy. I'm hoping that he's not lazy down the line because I don't think he is now could. I don't either. Like I said, I said on the last I said on the last podcast, I think I said he's not losing us. The, he didn't lose us that game, but he didn't win it, win it for us either. And that in it's 2019, not, not he won us that game. He's been winning us these games. you got to think he's getting peppered with yeah. shots. You have, we played against the greatest goal scorer of all time and like held him to like a couple goals it's in the series. It's not just Tuka that. though, too. It's all these goals. Did you see the Carolina goal? I mean, the Tampa goal that the Carolina goal he let up the other night. Short, no, I didn't watch short, that. Short side on the ice. 
He, he, all he had to do was hold his post. It would have hit his pad and it would have gone to the corner yeah. and he let it in on the ice. Like all these goalies now they get, they get like low. They, they lay on the ice on the post. Like, and I get it. These guys are good. They're skilled and stuff, but it, it's, it, it's like I said, there's no Tuka slander on this podcast. I'm yeah. just saying, listen, I'm listen. That he doesn't make a mistake down the line that will hurt us. And listen. I don't think he will. Well, we will do a we will do a post game podcast after this, and we will inform all of you what ends up happening with the game. Yeah, we all got to get going. We do have to go though, and uh, that's about it. My dad just texted me and said, <laughs> "Mom is worried that you and Nick are yelling at each other." I told her it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we hate each other. We well, yeah, say when, you, when you try and tell me that I can't say that the fucking Bruins are the best team in Brennan, the Brennan's getting up. Brennan's getting for up. the record. Can I just say that your dad is awesome? Like I was when I showed when I saw him the other day, I was talking to him. He was like, yeah, you know, I was on my way back from uh, what was yeah, I think he said Denver. And he was like, yeah, I was listening to the podcast. when You guys were talking about Tom Wilson. That was awesome. I was like, dude, like and then he gave me he complimented me on the on the play by play for the wiffle ball video. So he watched the wiffle ball. Like the fact that your dad sits down and takes the time to listen to this stuff and to watch oh. something out. That's awesome. Yeah. Listen, Dude. we're a big deal. Um yeah. We'll be back. Show. We'll be back when we have more time to do this. You all can thank Nick Ferrillo for being two hours late for this podcast starting so late. But right, we're going to the garden. We're actually hopping in the car right now and driving to get Michael Lynch. And then we're meeting Stuart. Stuart will be there. Seth will be there. I will be there. You will be there. Lynch will be there. It's going to be a party. Coose will be there. It's, it's no! Not with us. But not with us. No. But <laughs> the place is going to be rocking tonight. I thought I saw him like across the, the load. Like, I saw him look really cool. Like, probably saw Superman walking through the load. Come All right. <laughs> All right. We actually got to go. Uh, yeah. Boys, thank you so much for listening. Episode 73, Bruins, Islanders, game two tonight. We'll be back post game podcast to tell you what happened in the game. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.